Genesis chapter 2. We'll begin in, in verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden and to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except for the tree of knowledge and of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep while the, while the man slept. The Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this is bone of my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come to you this morning, to worship in your name, Lord, to recognize who you are, to recognize who we are to you, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for your nature, Lord, as being the one who is worthy of our worship. Lord, we ask that you would bless the rest of our service we have today. Let it be a blessing to the ears and to the heart of each and every one who hear, Lord. Lord, watch over each and every one of us today on these uh, wet roads, Lord, as we go home later. Protect us, Lord. Watch over each and every one of us. And Lord, we ask that you would uh, also bless those who are watching online, either at home or in the middle room or in the nursery, Lord. Uh, Lord, uh, guard each and every one of our hearts and minds today as we hear from your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Technology is not one of my expertises. All I know is that when something doesn't work, it usually flashes at you. And then you either call someone or discard what you have and try something new. We find ourselves at that place in the Fellowship Hall. We've tried our best over the past few weeks to have that area as a live stream area where individuals who desire to practice and uh, you know, social distancing and wearing masks. But for some reason, all that, that Miss Diane and, uh, has tried to do and getting people here to try to fix it, it just isn't working. And we don't know why. I've placed an order for a 20-pound sledgehammer. <laughs> no, no, I haven't, but... We're trying our best, and, and I know that some individuals have, have brought questions, and again, we're, we're getting people here that we think can fix it, and unfortunately, they are just as perplexed as we are. So hang in there. We'll try our best, but we're glad that even though uh, we do have the middle room and the nursery where it's live-streamed in there, but uh, uh, later on, uh, I believe it's around Tuesday, the, this service will be on the internet again so people can follow 
So your frustration is ours. I just want to give you that kind of an update. We took a two-week break a little bit to focus on that which is a little bit more uh, seasonal, Easter. And this morning we're, we're coming back to our study of the fundamentals of family. This morning we are going to journey through what, as the, the slide says, four solid foundation stones upon which we build the foundation of our family and our marriages. There was a, an American Indian who was traveling with a friend on the streets of New York City. And this is a story that we came across in our small group ministry this past Thursday. And as they were walking on the streets, the American Indian said to his friend, did you hear that? And his friend said, hear what? There was a cricket. Did you hear the cricket? And his friend said, There are so many people and there's so much noise going on in this city. How is it that you can hear a cricket? No, I didn't hear the cricket. His friend took him over to the curb and pointed out he's right there. Then he reached in his pocket, the American Indian did, and he took out five coins And he threw them up in the air, and as they hit the ground, everyone there stopped. Because they heard the sound of coins. The American Indian said, the reason you couldn't hear the cricket is because you don't know the sound of the cricket. But you knew the sound of coins. Then he said, what we're used to hearing is what we pay attention to. This morning is one of these crickets moments. As Pastor Steve was reading the passage already, you're kind of wondering, how in the world are we going to get four stones out of that? I've asked myself that question all week long. But yet, the Lord is gracious. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16, God tells Isaiah to write this. He says, I behold, I have laid a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And the one who believes will not be shaken. I'm not a builder. My stepdad was a great carpenter. And I told him one day, Dad, I hope you're not expecting me to follow in your footsteps because I'm not going to. I'm not a builder. But what I do know about building is that if you don't have a solid foundation, it's not long before cracks begin to appear 
in the walls of the house. It would seem in our society today that we've got a lot of cracks happening. We've got issues of family. We've got issues of marriage. We've got issues of magnitudes. And I really believe it's because the foundation is shifting. We've moved from the, as a nation, we've moved from the foundation of the word of God where once this nation was founded upon the principles of the word of God. Now we're moving, shifting, if you will, to the principles of man. It's called humanism. And humanism raises the notification of man's abilities when they neglect the principles of the word of God. It's highlighted just most recently in decisions that have been made in our government. There used to be a clause that was signed by President Bill Clinton of all individuals. It was a protection of what is called marriage. And in that clause it stated that marriage is between a man and a woman. That was defeated just about six years ago when the Supreme Court determined that no, marriage can be between partners, which leaves the door wide open for what we're seeing now. So I guess a good place to come back to is the beginning. That's what Genesis is. It's a Hebrew word that means the beginning. Where did it all start? Where is it that we can go back and shore up, if you will, the foundation? I I do know, too, a little bit that, as Isaiah 28 says, that there is a cornerstone. And the cornerstone has to be particularly perfect in its position in order that the rest of the walls can connect correctly. And now we know according to Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16, God is speaking to the nation of Israel concerning the coming Messiah. He is the perfect cornerstone. And so this morning, I'm going to look at these four Solid foundation stones that are recorded in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 25. Let's go to the first stone, shall we? The first stone is upholding, if you will, the priority of your marriage. Uphold the priority of your marriage. The marriage relationship is to have priority over every other human relationship. It is to be number one.
We gather that from Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24 where it says, This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds to or connects with his wife and they shall become one flesh. Our marriage partner. Now, when I use that word partner, I got to set this straight. I'm talking about a male husband and a female wife. Can I get an amen from the congregation? That's when I I just put partner there. I am not suggesting anything other than what the word of God has to say. Someone help me out this morning. So our marriage partner is to become, is to come before any other human being. Everyone else falls into the background. And this is difficult including our parents. I've got married children. (laughs) And four others. And I guess one of the greatest testimonies is that one of our daughters gave my wife on Mother's Day Just a little trinket, a plaque that says, Mom, you were right. (laughs) Parenting is difficult to let go. I thought the empty house syndrome was going to be wonderful. It's not. We got this thing called a telephone. Hi, Dad, is Mom there? Oh, you bet she is, man. (laughs) I know what's coming. I know what's coming. Parenting is difficult. But parents, we are there only for advice, never for control. Never for control. I also find it very interesting that here's Moses writing about Adam and Eve. And he puts in here this verse. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. Who was Adam's mom and dad? How did that get in there? He's not describing mom and dad. He's describing the place that the future moms and dads must take. And so we as parents, we need to realize that we need to step back. We need to step back. If you want to keep your marriage strong and free from regrets, the relationship between husband and wife 
must remain preeminent, second only to a relationship with Christ. Not only can this particular four foundation stones give us guidance as far as family and marriage, it also instructs us in our relationship with Jesus Christ. He has to be preeminent. I didn't think I'd get many amens from that, but he has to be preeminent. The king is always preeminent. The king always calls the shots. The king always lays out the regulations and the rules and the laws. And we have the Emmanuel right here where all the king's thoughts. He must remain preeminent. Everything else must go. Let me reread that verse for us. This is why a married couple leaves the things of this world and bonds together with Jesus. This is why. Why is it? Because in reality, we have become bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. We are called the bride of Christ. We belong to him and him alone. And all of world societies, all of mankind's theories have to go. Because we stand upon thus saith the Lord. In fact, we'll get to it in the book of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul highlights that when he describes a relationship between husband and wife. As their relationship goes, so goes their relationship to Jesus Christ. Some of the things that I'll be saying this morning, I I just want to at least tell you, I'm just the mailman. I'm delivering the package. If you got a problem with a letter, then take it up with the one who sent it. One day you will, by the way. His name is Jesus. I don't say these things to cause duress. I am not about to commit to anybody a life of distrust or even defeatedness. But when it comes to preaching the full counsel of God... I can't step over the puddles of dirt either. I have to. I'm demanded by God to share with you what he thinks, not me. If it was up to me, I'd be homesick in bed today. Letting my son preach on something that make you fluffy and wonderful. He doesn't always do that, by the way. He is a man of God and... The scriptures, just like his predecessor, Pastor Isaac, they were men of God, men of the scriptures. The reason I say that is because the second stone is difficult. 
The second stone is uphold the permanence of your marriage. Permanence. Again in verse 24 when we come to that word join or bonds. In the Hebrew it literally means glued together. You become one. In my pre-marriage counseling, I, I often comment on the fact that when a man gets engaged, he's only half a man. But when he gets married, he's finished. That's <laughs> what the Word of God says. The two become one. I'm glad my wife is not like me. All you husbands should be saying amen. In the previous verses of 24, God wonderfully forms and presents to Adam the only one that he needs to be complete. He's gone through the exercises of naming all of the animals. And he realizes what they have, he doesn't. He doesn't have somebody. He doesn't have a helper. He doesn't have a mate. And so God causes a sleep to come upon him. He removes from him a rib and the, Greek, and the Hebrew literally says that he formed just the right person for the right job to be a helper. Now, ladies, please take this and, and run with it. It's, it's for you. A helper does not mean a slave. There's nowhere in the word of God where a wife is to be a doormat or a slave. You won't find that. They are to be a helper. And when God took Adam's rib, he literally took from him the position of being right next to the major organs of his body, his heart, his lung. Liver and kidneys, all that's protected by the chest cavity. He didn't take from his brain or his skull to form the woman because she's not to be over him. But he didn't take a part of the foot either. And she's not supposed to be under him. She's supposed to be right here. Right here. That close. Oh, there's been times in our family where my wife and I, we get close and our children say, go get a room. (laughs) That's okay. I want them to see mom and dad love each other. But when they bond together, in other words, marriage is to be permanent, lasting, not to be undone in this life. Now, 
This is where it gets difficult because I myself am a product of a divorce. I never knew my biological father. He left us when I believe I was three years old. I have no picture of him. I have no understanding of who he is or what he did. But I have a stepfather. A stepfather who was married twice before he married my mother. I understand that divorce is part of life. It's not God's ideal. I want you to know that. But I also understand things happen. So please, please, please. I'm not coming down on those individuals who've gone through what I've gone through. I want you to know that there's enough grace at the cross to carry us through. It's difficult. God's grace will take you through. Jesus makes mention of this in Matthew 9 and verse 6, where he talks about, so they are no longer two, but become one flesh. No longer two, but one. So God declares that couples must remain firmly committed to each other until the moment death parts them. Yes, that is true. But even in Matthew 19, verse, later verses, I believe it's verse 8, the lawyer asked Jesus then, why did Moses write a certificate of divorce? Even during that time, it was prevalent. And I know that the scriptures give us some kind of an indication that there may be two instances where divorce can be looked at as being viable. One is abandonment and the other is sexual immorality. I understand that. But it's always God's plan that there would be reconciliation. But sometimes hearts are hardened. I got that. I understand that. But if the Lord allows you, as it did my mother, allows you to become involved with another individual whereby marriage and a family begins, you stick to it by God's grace. The third stone is the oneness of marriage. The oneness of marriage. Genesis 2.24 says, And they shall become one flesh. <coughs> this oneness is not merely physical. Because our bodies are the house of our soul, marriage is also an emotional or soul oneness. And because our bodies are the home of my spirit, 
marriage is also a spirit of oneness. I would dare say that if I could take an opportunity to hand out a piece of paper, the same questions, and husbands and wives in this room were supposed to answer them, the same question answering them, I would dare say that there would be some, hopefully all, who would answer them the same way. Be a question about, do you let your wife mow the lawn? No. (laughs) My wife would write no. The indoors is hers. The outside is mine. And as soon as I get this knee fixed, I'll be mowing again. It doesn't mean my wife can't give me uh-huh, doesn't mean my wife can't give me ideas as to what the outside should look like. <laughs> Sometimes we take that advice and other times we don't. Can I get an amen from the congregation? But I want to tell you something too, brothers and sisters. It's this. If it wasn't for the faithfulness of my wife, I'd have been long gone a long time ago. And I'm glad that I miss her when she's not home. I'm glad that when she's sick, I feel bad. When I'm sick, She feels bad. I'm glad that we pray together and cry together and laugh together. I'm glad that we minister together. That's the oneness that we have. That's the oneness that you have. With the bride that the Lord allowed you to meet at the altar. And I remember the day of August the 3rd, 1974, when I stood as a 19, I got married when I was 19. And when my wife walked down the aisle, I said, I don't deserve her. But I'm glad that she thought I was the best thing since sliced bread. By the way, I still am. (laughs) So this profound union, the physical, emotional, and spiritual, is the essential factor in marriage. That's what it's all about. And in God's eyes, you and your spouse are one in every way. The last stone. 
the last stone. The openness. Uphold the openness of your marriage. In verse 25, before the fall, Adam and Eve enjoyed complete openness. For they were both naked, verse 25 says, and were not ashamed. They hid nothing from each other. They shared the fullness of their hearts without a thought of concealing at the, the least feeling or desire. You would say they're totally transparent with one another. But even though the fall changed things, the transparency between marriage partners is not easy to develop, but it is well worth the effort to be open with one another. The first steak my wife made for me when we were married, she made it with herself in mind. It was burnt. And she laid it before me. And she said, well, what do you think? It's done. From that moment on, she understood that I would prefer mine to be medium rare. Hers can be burnt, mine's got to be medium rare. But there's a way of being transparent without being condemning. That's the difficult part. But that's the well worth journey. Four stones. Sure, solid foundation stones. We as a nation, we as a family, need to get back together to stand upon. In closing, we don't close with the last song. Let me have you stand. We'll close in prayer. Again, forgive me for not being able to be out there Greeting you, I, my knee hurts, so I need to sit a little bit. We'll close in prayer. Father, this isn't easy. This information can even be viewed as being condemnatory. That's not my plan. Oh, we make mistakes, God, you know that. That's why you sent your son. For there's grace enough at the cross to heal and forgive. There's grace enough at the cross to set it straight. And Lord, I empathize with those who had to go through what I went through as a child. I know, I understand. But I pray, O oh God, that they would know and understand that they are still loved by you and they're loved by this congregation. We want this church to be a, 
a place of healing, a place of encouragement, a place of peace. And I pray, O oh God, that you would strengthen our families, our marriages. Because if ever there's a time in society, it's now. We need to start to dance that others would join. So to you, O oh Lord God, I commend this congregation. Pray that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would encourage them. And I pray, O oh God, that you would raise us up to be examples of your grace in a world that needs to see it. May your thoughts be our thoughts. May your words be our words. And may your ways be our ways. For it is in Christ Jesus I ask this. Amen.